Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome in this new episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today I'm here with John. John, welcome on this podcast. Um, Can you introduce yourself uh, to the audience? Um, I'm John Murray and I'm a headshot photographer that mixes human behavioral sciences with what I do uh, in Ireland. And I travel all over the world teaching people to unconditionally love themselves and their faces if you go by what my LinkedIn page says. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. Um, like, thank you for being on. Um, so what would you like to achieve with your work? Like you're doing photography and like coaching? Yeah, so essentially it's, it's, I mix psychology, anatomy, physiology, endocrinology. I mix cognitive behavioral therapy. At the moment, I'm training as a life coach and a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. And I'm, I'm not using it as coaching really. I'm, I've kind of moved away from the general day-to-day taking photographs of people for headshots. They're actors and models and those sort of people. I still do a lot with corporates, but most of what I do is if I go in to shoot a team of corporates, I usually do a talk beforehand and open them up to the thought process of letting them see their residual self-image or letting them see themselves more exposed under the guise that they don't know what they look like. So uh, when I go and take photographs of them, it's hard evidence that they were prettier or they were more handsome or better looking than they thought they were. Um, and how they've been viewing themselves has been an external view of themselves rather than an internal view of themselves. Um, and they get to see that they're cooler and they're braver and they're stronger than they ever believed they were. Um, so the, the photographs are evidence that you don't know what you look like. So and if you don't know what you look like on the outside, you definitely don't know what you look like on the inside because you're measuring yourself against what everybody else sees in the world or what you perceive they see so it's uh, it's, it's interesting work cool so why did you decide to like add that into the mix like what's the motivation i think there's, there's a few different things like when i was in school i was bullied the whole way through school because i had fallen on my face as a child and i knocked my teeth out so i had um a weird looking brace a temporary brace because um something very unusual happened within my mouth a lot of unusual stuff comes out of my mouth now, but uh, there's a lot of there's something very unusual happened in my mouth that your teeth are not perfused the same way regular bones are, so they don't heal if they break. Um, but within my gum, my teeth, my, the tooth that was broken did fuse and it did heal, um, but they had to take the nerve out. So I ended up with one very discolored tooth in the very front of my face. Um, and I felt very self-conscious about that. And then I had this weird brace that looked like wet bread across my teeth because every Thursday I went to the dentist and every Thursday did exploratory work to see what was going on. I was kind of a guinea pig for a dentistry student. All through secondary school, I was very self-conscious. I wasn't very good at girls. Um, and it wasn't really until I left school that I did start to gain confidence. And then I had some dentistry work done when I was 21 and I never stopped smiling since. Um, jo- friends used to joke, you'll see his smile before you see him come up the street and you know, it was after years of being self-conscious about how I look, I think that's fed into me wanting to help other people to to see themselves in a, in a true fashion because, you know, we all have that gap between how we see ourselves and what we think the rest of the world sees. Like, you see it constantly with 
clients coming in as well, you know, they come in, they're really self-conscious. They're saying things like, oh, I hope you're good with Photoshop. I really don't like my nose. I don't like my ears. That's an awful photograph of me. And once you teach them to see themselves beyond that psychological barrier, the thing that's been holding them back, then, you know, we see a massive, massive difference in them. So I ended up, I was doing a lot of work with Bank of Ireland in their private banking sector, um, a lot of their their senior managers and their, their senior people. And the guy that was assisting me had said, like, you're coaching everybody individually. Why don't you just do a talk beforehand, coach all of them together, and then when you bring them in, you have less time with them in front of the camera. So I started to do that, and I started to do talks about different things that come up as I was doing it, and people saying, like, oh, am I ugly? You know, big things like that. And um, the talks have really developed around that. So they all have an element of the kind of self-image thing. So teaching people to see themselves and other people in the same fashion and like that everybody's vulnerable um, in some way, shape or form. I only did a LinkedIn post there a few minutes ago and I was talking about Mozart having imposter syndrome and Mozart saying that he's never done anything perfect. Um, so, you know, none of us are perfect. There's seven and a half billion of us on the planet and we all look differently. And, you know, it's about embracing that. That's my hashtag, embrace your face. Oh, wow. That has a nice ring to it as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, like you d just mentioned, like posting a LinkedIn post and like how is the the whole story, like is that all reflected in your personal brand and messaging? Like do you focus more on the talking part and the psycho psychological aspects or are you still like pushing the photography? Like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like everybody who books in here for headshots, regular headshots, they come in, I just want headshots on my website. They come in and they give you that. Everybody, I think every headshot photographer gets the same thing. I want to look powerful and I want to look strong, but I also want to look like I'm not angry and I also want to look approachable. And, you know, it's all, they, they only want one thing. They're, they all want the exact same thing. They want to look confident, competent and approachable. And, you know, it's all the same, but they come in and my methodology, uh, Peter calls it your shtick, you know, Peter's shtick is to be all high energy and to shout shebang and high five people and, and torment people and mess with them. And, you know, a lot of photographers, everybody will have their own thing. My thing is to talk to everybody that comes in the door. I like to learn things from everybody that walks in the door, but I like to teach them something about themselves as well. So I mix all of these elements together and I talk to them about, you know, what it is that's going on on the inside of them and how it manifests on the outside. And then we use the images then as a step-by-step -step, um, true evidence to say, look, this is what you look like when you're uncomfortable. We're going to lift your posture. When we lift your posture, we can see that you look far more confident. What we're going to do now is we're going to work with the jawline. And we do all these bits and pieces, and we talk about what those movements mean. So what they mean psychologically, what they mean sociologically. And I kind of point out these things as we go along. Even if they weren't expecting it when they walked in the door, they get it. Um, but it makes it, so that they understand everything that they're looking at and why they're doing it. And then when they see the photographs and they're saying, well, it feels weird to stick my head out. Well, it feels weird, but the camera sees two-dimensionally. So we see three-dimensionally. So all we're doing is we're making people see the actual shape of your face. Yeah. Instead of you having, you know, being Jimmy Tenchin. And they get it. And it makes sense because I've given them a reason. And that's a really good thing to do is to give them reasons why you do everything. Um, because it makes them trusted. You're not just telling them to do something just so they look ridiculous or stupid. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, that is a huge part of even people booking in for regular headshots. They come in, they get their headshots, but they get the, the little bit of a lesson. Now, they don't remember all of it. They walk out the door and somebody will ask them, like, how, how did it go? You made me do a weird thing on my head. Um, and But the pictures look cool, you know, and they're happy afterwards, which is, that's all you really want. Yeah. On the front end of things, it's that, like, also in your messaging? Yeah, it's in everything. Like, it's, and that's, you know, it, and that's happened organically. I think, you know, when we start being photographers and you ask questions about being a photographer to professional photographers and you're hungry for it and you want to be you're successful and you're like, how do I get successful as a photographer? And everybody tells you, be different. And then you're, okay, I'll be different. How do I be different? Um, do you know what I'll do? I'll copy what every landscape photographer does. So I'll go to the exact point that every landscape photographer in my country has gone to to take those same photographs. Yeah. And, you know, you're trying to mimic everybody. You see, a lot of people will try and mimic Peter Hurley. A lot of people will try and mimic you. I've had people come in, photographers book into my studio, come in, walk around and look at everything I do and then go off and try and mimic what I do. And the results are catastrophically different because they're not me. You know, they're different than me. Their personality type is different than me. How they do things is different than me. Their shtick should be different. So, you know, it took me a long time to realize that to be different, I had to just be myself. Yeah. So when I'm myself, the results are amazing because that's what clients want. Clients want to deal with me. When you're talking about personal brand or you're talking about the brand of your business, Jeff Bezos said, the Amazon CEO, he said, you know, brand is what people say about you after you've left the room. And when I talk about brand, I talk about brand a lot. I talk about it on stage because people book me to come on and talk about these things. And I say, you know, brand is not just what they say about you when they leave the room. Brand, it, the exact thing that brand is, is what they remember. So it's what they remember of you. And you can control that, like, with, it, with, with actually without limit. You can completely control what they remember about you by creating that experience. So if you're true and authentic to yourself, if you're listening to this and you want to be a headshot photographer or you want to be a portrait photographer, but you're an introvert and you don't like talking to people and you don't like yourself at the moment and you're cranky and you're annoyed at all the time, you shouldn't be photographing people. You know, that's not going to do you any favors. It's not going to do them any favors, you know, but you might be interested in landscapes. You might have a fascination with apples. If you have a fascination with apples, that's what you should be taking photographs of. When I switched from shooting fashion work and weddings and all the other stuff and just said I'm solely focused on headshots everybody told me whether it was people in headshot crew people were saying you can't just do headshots you're not going to make money just doing headshots it wasn't even it was people in the photographic industry in Ireland you're crazy you're crazy you're not going to make any money doing headshots and only doing headshots and they were wrong they were hugely wrong you know I have a very comfortable life you know and it's I have a very comfortable life because I'm authentic to me and I'm not trying to be anybody else I'm not trying to be different you know I'm, I'm just trying to I'm, I'm absolutely just being me and I'm not trying to be anything else and that's what people get so even when I post on LinkedIn I post those videos on LinkedIn and I never talk about headshots I never talk about I barely ever talk about the photography side of it sometimes like maybe once a month, once every two months, I'll go on and I'll talk about, like I'll review people's LinkedIn images and I'll give them tips and I connect the headshot crew photographers around the world if they're looking for somebody in their area to update their headshot. So I say, look, you know, comment below this and I'll take a look at your headshot image, the image you're using on LinkedIn. I'll give you some feedback on it. And then if you want to be connected to an amazing headshot photographer in your city, give me your city. So I will connect you with somebody that's close by. Um, so I tend to spend a lot of my 
that day when I do that, referring people to different headshot crew photographers around the world. And, you know, I'm always saying it's do for the good of the village, everybody benefits. And that ties into my brand because I say it a lot because I genuinely believe it. You know, it's, I'm not looking for work for me. Even if people give me Dublin as their city or Ireland as their country, I say to them, look, you know, have a look at a couple of different people's portfolios and I will give them two or three photographers in Dublin, including my own, and say, have a look at what the work that they do um, because you might want something different. You might want something different than the way I shoot or you might want something different than the way you know, one of the other guys raffle shoots or Steve Mangan and City Headshots, how they look, you know, they have very different styles. So, you know, that might be what you're going for. So, you know, and I'm not, I don't push sales. I don't pay for marketing. I don't pay for Google ads. Um, about 97, 98% of all of my work is returning clients or it's referrals. Um, and that comes from people evangelizing over me. Because, you know, I was more interested in them than the money. Yeah. Uh, because you know, you look after your customers, the tools look after themselves. Yeah. And you talked about before, like how you can control the way that they see your brand. And like you bridged back into that by talking about all these referrals that you're getting, because that's obviously a result of the way that they see you. Um, like, do you ask people after the fact for like reviews or like, do you hear back from these people how they actually experience the brand and if that's like a, a match with how you wanted uh, the brand to be perceived or do you hear gaps like oh i i thought this and uh, it actually happened to be something else and do you learn from that or like how do you how do you see that i listen to my clients when they're here that's a big thing like i listen to them i talk to them usually i won't start taking photographs for another, like for 10 or 15 minutes after i've met them um, because we're having big conversations or random conversations. And look, I talk the back legs off a donkey. I just talk to everybody. Like, I never shut up. I have a huge big mouth for a reason. But, you know, I'm paying attention to everything that's going on with them. And when they're in the studio, I'm so in tune with what they're doing and how they're moving because I'm paying attention to their body language. Um, I'm looking at their facial expressions. You know, physiognomy is a big, big thing for me. It's like understanding their preferences and, and their genetic leanings. It's, you know, I've been training with a guy named Joseph McGuire for like two years. Um, he uses the same techniques as the FBI and the CIA to, to read people's posture and read people's uh, facial expressions and micro expressions and just even the fat deposits and the musculature of the face. So, look, I'm massively interested in that. So I'm watching them constantly, but I can see if they're not happy in the studio. If there's something going wrong, then we take it back to step one and we work our way through and we find out what it is that's actually causing the discomfort. You know, it's usually that one thing on their face they don't like or they look too heavy or they put on weight before they come into the studio or something like that. So we work on it and we figure out what it is and we say, look, this is not an issue. You know, it's not an issue. Nobody walking down the street is looking at you. Um, and we have big kind of psychological conversations about that stuff. But I don't ask them for reviews. I don't ask them for anything after they've left the studio. But I know based on the fact, even yesterday, I had a guy in the studio here and he came in, he told me he was just being, I probably shouldn't be saying this on, uh, uh, in public, that he'd been promoted to sales director of a company. Um, that he's working for. I won't name the company because I don't want him to, uh, I, I don't want it to leak to everybody else in his company. But he came in and one of the first things he did was told me that somebody else that works with him had been in the studio and she says hello. You know, I've get, I get messages all the time. I get comments and stuff like that from people. I do get LinkedIn reviews and Google reviews off people who would be the type of people who do that. You know, it's within their, their brand or their remit to do that because they think, oh, that was really cool. I want to leave a positive re review on Google 
and that's their decision to do that. You know, that's their thing. Um, so I'm not going to say to somebody who is not, you know, technically minded or who doesn't have that within them as part of their daily recourse to say, will you go on to Google, search me out, go on to Google Maps, click down onto the reviews thing, click into the reviews and leave me a review. Or will you set yourself up on LinkedIn there, get yourself an account and then leave me a review or a recommendation. I'd rather they came organically. And that's where my business has come from. It's all been organic. You know, people will sit down and they'll say, you need to put together a brand strategy and you need to put together, you know, all of these bits and pieces and you need to have this in mind. If you have a company where you have 20 or 30 people and you need to make sure that everything is on brand and everything happens within the message of your business and within the, 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 the overall brand feeling of your business, then that's fine. But I'm a photographer on my own, you know, so I'm very much in control of everything that happens within the studio walls and everything that happens within my business. Because when I go onto Twitter, it's my voice. When I go onto LinkedIn, it's my voice. When I'm on Facebook, it's my voice. When I shoot the videos for LinkedIn that go off my YouTube as well, it's my voice. It's, it's me. And that's very authentic for people when they walk into the studio because they get to experience that. And it's the same person that was on the LinkedIn videos shouting and roaring about, you know, imposter syndrome or talking about feeling uncomfortable in front of the camera or whatever it is. They get the exact the same experience when they walk in because it's just me. I'm not trying to be anything when I'm on those videos or I'm not trying to be anything else when I'm on radio interviews or podcasts like this or you know, I'm just me and I'm happy being me. And that takes a little bit of work to get to, but that's what they experience and that's what they want to experience. Even my, my um, email, when people send me an email, my out of office is always on and every single day I change it to something else crazy. It could be something to do with the weather. You know, if it's really windy out, you know, I'd put up something silly like, you know, if you're looking for me and it takes, uh, it takes me a while to reply, it's probably because I'm holding on to my trampoline, it's going over the wall into the neighbor's garden or something stupid like that. Uh, and people have walked in and got, that was brave. You know, your email is funny, but brave. But it makes sense now that I'm in the studio and I've met you. But I do that every single day. It doesn't matter what it's like. You know, the air conditioning was broken in the studio and I apologized before people even walked in in my out of office. I was like, the air conditioning isn't on in the studio. If we don't reply, it's because I've melted into a puddle in the corner. And people were replying, that's hilarious. I have one guy that emails me weekly just to see what my out of office says. Um, <laughs> and he just says, just checking. And that's all he says in the email is just checking just before he gets it back. I have another client, um, really cool guy named Neil Morrison, who's uh, he's a partner in an accountancy firm. And he sent me a text message one day, email me, email me, email me. I said, okay. So I emailed him and he was on holidays with his kids. Don't tell the school but because they think the kids are out sick. You know, but we're actually in Spain on holidays for a couple of days, uh, just having a bit of uh, rest and relaxation. You know, if we don't reply, it's because I'm spending time with my family. And that's amazing, you know, because that's one of the big things. And that's one of the big things that's in my email as well, is that the bottom paragraph never changes. It says that I answer my emails between 7 and 7, Monday to Saturday. Um, I try to answer them within an hour. If I don't answer them, it's because I'm usually in the studio trying to make somebody feel good about themselves. Yeah. And that's all it is. You know, the same when you go onto my LinkedIn, people who connect with me on LinkedIn, I send back voice notes. I don't send text messages or the eight-page paragraph that explains everything you've done since you woke up that morning and left school. You know, I don't need to know all that information. That's just a sales pitch and it's funneling and I don't do that. So when people send me a connection request, they send them back a voice note. They might just say, hey, Maurice, John here, just wanted to say thanks for connecting. You know, have a great weekend or look after yourself and, you know, you know, anything like that it's just something simple but it's personalized because for 
millions and millions of years we've communicated face to face. And in the last 50 years, we have the internet. And the internet's taken that away. So, you know, why shouldn't I send them a personalized note? Why shouldn't I send them something personal that is part of my personality? It has my voice in it. It has my tonal inflections in it. Um, and that's, you know, even when it comes down to headshots, you know, people put headshots onto their LinkedIn page and I talk about this squishy things concept that I come up with on the fly in the moment when I was talking at the networking summit here. Um, and I went off on a rant about every single person is a squishy thing. We're all just squishy things. For 90 million years, we've had eyeballs. And for 90 million years, we've been able to see each other and react to each other visually face to face. And then 200 years ago, the camera was invented. And then 180 years ago, the glass-based mirror was invented, which is crazy considering the mirror came after the camera. But we then got the internet 50 years ago. So squishy things could talk to other squishy things on the far side of the world without ever having to see them. And only about 5% of our text, our communication is the actual words that we use. The rest is body language. It's nonverbal. It's tonal inflection. You know, it's how we react to each other. And that's what communication is. Most of our communication, like up to 95% of our communication is not the words that we use. That's why, we, you know, text messages can be lost in translation. You know, it, it's lost. You, you get a friend sending you a text message back really pissed off because you said something to them in a text message in a joking manner and they have taken it the wrong way. Yeah. So, you know, that all ties into your brand. It's what they what they remember and it's what they feel. So you need to understand that you can hijack that. You can take complete control over that, you know, and all of that is within your limits and it's within your power. Like people walk into the studio here and there's music playing. It's music I like. It's hippie, 80 music. It's ridiculous. It's funny songs. It's upbeat music. And they walk in, they don't even notice it most of the time, but the odd time somebody will stand there and laugh and go, oh, I haven't heard this song in years. Mm-hmm. and that's part of my brand that's part of me because I like that music that's part of me because that music makes me feel good and it will in turn make them feel good even if they don't notice it's on in the background it's just in the background Yeah, um, it's not loud it's not kind of pumping out they experience me and I am my brand yep. and that's how I'm different that's that one thing that everybody told me to be when I was asking them questions about how do I become a professional photographer how do I become better how do I become you know, what people will pay money for. And I very quickly realized, well, it took me years to realize, but when I did quickly realize it, um, it was about just being myself. And that's what they pay for. And that's what they refer me for. And that's why people evangelize over me. And that's why I'm asked to talk on stages and talk at conferences and talk at events. And that's why I'm involved in the Doyle Faces campaign. Until COVID happened, we were supposed to photograph 2,020 people in London this year all leaders in diversity and inclusion. Um, and there was supposed to be a show in the Ritz on the 3rd of December. So like, hopefully that will start up again when restrictions lift a little bit more and we're a bit better with free travel and stuff. So we'll end up photographing a couple of hundred people, celebrating thought leaders and people who are superstars in diversity and inclusion. So like, I'm asked to do these things because people believe in me and people believe in the message that I give. People believe in the things I say. People follow me because I'm authentic. Yeah. I don't have anything to hide behind. I don't have anything to... Well, I have nothing to hide, I suppose. It's just me. Yeah. And but, that's perfectly okay with me. Yeah. And that's what your brand is. It sounds like you got it, like all the good things going on. Is there like something that you're still struggling with that you're try, still trying to figure out? I'm like a rogue on Valium, pal. I just float along in my own little world. And, you know, I don't think there's, there's nothing I'm struggling with really. Um, it's weird coming back after COVID because, you know, things feel different. Everything tactile, the the whole tactile part of it is different. You know, normally I slap my hands on people's ears when I want them to a long day 
elongate their spine and I say this is your start position from now on and I reef them up into the air by the ears and they laugh because ultimately I'm creating oxytocin levels in them like I'm, I'm creating an oxytocin release which is a bonding hormone by putting my hands on them physically now I do ask beforehand I, it's a salt if you don't uh, but I do ask them look can I touch your ears um, and they say okay so I grab them by the ears and I stretch them up into the air and I said this is your normal position neutral alignment from now on this is where you go to um, and I had tried to put my hands on clients as much as I could before but you can't really do that now at social distance you have to wear a mask or they're standing, and when they're coming out and they're standing beside me looking at the screen and wearing a mask and it, it feels a little bit strange it still feels a little bit strange even after four weeks but you know I'm getting over that but it's um, after many many years of just doing it my way but um, yeah it's that's the only thing that I find them weird at the moment, but the rest of it, like I'm happy enough as I am, you know, I don't try and work a hundred hours a week because I don't need to. Um, like I work three days a week mm-hmm. because the rest of the time I want to spend it learning. I want to look, I'm learning Chinese. I'm learning two forms of Chinese, Mandarin and Cantonese, um, because it interests me and because it makes people laugh. You know, some Chinese person walking into the studio or an Italian walking into the studio and I start screaming at them in Italian and the shock, this experience where, hold on, why do you speak my language? Like, yeah. You know, and it makes them feel more connected to me and it makes them interested in me and it makes me interested in them and interested in their culture and understanding how they do things. And, you know, I've been, you know, I do course after course after course on things like mindset and mindfulness and neuro-linguistic programming and all of these different things because it interests me and it helps me understand people better. It keeps my mind sharp. Um, and yeah, that's the things I do on my days off when I'm not kayaking, of course, because I'm weird and have three origami boats that are not made of paper um, and I float out to sea in them and stuff like that and I go kayaking but you know that sort of stuff keeps me grounded it keeps me mindful it keeps me relaxed it keeps me chilled out I'm not worried about where money's coming from because that's the one thing that most photographers most business people will worry about you know where is the sales coming from where is the money coming from and if that's all you're focused on you're not focused on the things in the business that matter and you're not seeing the things within your business or the opportunities within your business or within your days if you're only focused on one thing. It's called foveal vision where you're only focused on one thing. Yeah. Um, you miss out on the peripheral vision. You miss out on all the opportunities that are passing you. And if you've got too much going on in your peripheral vision, you, don't, you can't focus on one individual thing. So being mindful and being understanding of the difference between both mm-hmm. and being able to keep your eyes on everything at the same time, you know, with equal, so in a relaxed way. Yeah. Well, then that's where you find success because, you know, you see everything that happens and you see where the opportunities lie and you're not really focused on one thing. You're not panicked over one thing, you know, and that's where, you know, it's, it's a good work-life balance as well. It means that when I go home, I'm not worried about, you know, whatever went on in the studio. I'm not worried about, you know, where bookings are going to come from. I'm not worried about where talks are going to come from. Even at the start of this whole COVID lockdown thing, you know, the second day it was nobody's friend, you know, because I was just in the mood. I didn't want to talk to anybody it was the second day of lockdown. Um, the news was all doom and gloom. Everybody was in supermarkets raiding the places for pasta and toilet paper. And they were all being ridiculous. And that was annoying to me. You know, it was like, you don't need to do that. Um, but the day after, I was fine. I went into a supermarket. I bought a hot apple pie and I bought some toilet roll just so I could post it on uh, Instagram and say, look, people, don't be ridiculous. Um, you're just being absolutely ridiculous. Like when you lose your house because you have no money to pay the mortgage uh, because you have 8,000 rolls of toilet roll in your house. You can make a fort in your back garden and squat. But no, there's, um, I was nobody's friend that second day, but for the rest of that whole lockdown was three months in Ireland. And I just kind of floated along on my own at the world. I got involved in things that were positive, like the Ireland Together movement, where 
businesses came together and said, look, we will offer three hours a week um, of our time to have six conversations with people in different businesses who need help. So talking about personal brand, people in finance were doing it as well. They were coming on and, and they were giving advice. Um, and then the one a day is another thing here. And I had a lot going on with Junior Chamber International as well. So, you know, that sort of stuff kept me busy, kept my mind sharp. I started to learn Chinese, um, and when the restrictions lifted bit by bit, I was able to go kayaking on days that I wasn't doing anything. Um, you know, so you know those sort of things are important to me. It's more about keep, keeping me fresh, keeping me sharp, keeping me mindful, keeping me as me. If I'm losing the head because I'm panicked or whatever, or because I'm not, wor- I'm worried about where bookings are coming from or where money is coming from. Well, then I'm not going to be able to give my full attention to my clients when they walk into the studio, and that's not what I want. That's not the experience I want them to have. I want them to have me on my best day every time they walk into the studio and that happens when I'm after being able to kayak for one or two days a week and you know enjoy time with my friends and my family okay and you know, because that keeps me as John just as John and yeah. there's no pressure around it so yeah that's what my brand is and that's what my clients experience and that's what everybody knows me experiences whether they're clients or just friends and family or neighbors they all get the exact same thing yeah so and do you still have like goals for yourself or your business beyond like the chinese learning and the like the all the courses like do you like where do you see yourself i don't believe in setting goals i set intentions if there's something i want to do or something i need to do i do it and i get it done you know for long enough you know i was in a job where you just got it done and like it didn't really matter what needed to be done it just got done so that's my attitude towards things like that i just get them done Um, I don't write them down. I don't sit in January writing lists of goals and saying, this is exactly what I'm going to do this year because, you know, that just sets you up for negativity if, if you fail at something or something doesn't happen. Um, like, you know, at the start of the year with the dial thing, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to photograph maybe 6,000 people this year because of this. And that was just a number that was in my head. It was like, I'm going to be busy for this year with that amount of work. And then COVID happened. And sure, if I had set 6,000 people as a goal to photograph this year, Well, then my goal would have failed miserably because of an external factor. And that's not good enough. You know, that, that would, that leans on you and it causes that pressure. Yeah. You know, if I'd have gone, okay, I'm going to have this much money this year. I can invest in this or, you know, we can spend money on the studio. We can spend money doing this. We can spend money doing that or I can buy a new car. You know, then that's causing like a long list of things that are not going to happen because I failed at my goals because of something else, but because of an external factor. That's a negative. I don't need it. I don't need to be hanging on to it. So I just set intentions. If something needs to be done, I just get it done. And, you know, little things pop up then like, oh, I'm going to learn Chinese or, oh, I'm going to go on a course to be a mindfulness master practitioner or I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to do a life coaching course, not to practice as a life coach, but to add value or to add weight or give me better understanding of what's walking in the door studio. Well, I just do those things then because I have the time to do them. I have because I work three days a week because that is in line with who I believe I am and what I think is important to me. Cool. So where do you want people to go when they want to find out more about you? A local pub would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Rogan's down the street from my studio. Nice point of Guinness. Ham and cheese toasty sitting on the street. People watching. Um, if they can't get to Grogan's on South William Street in Dublin too, in Ireland, they can go to johnmurrayheadshots.com and they can connect with all my social links are on the bottom of the page so they can click into them there uh, from my LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, everything bar Tinder and Bebo is on my uh, my page so they can go to them on my website. All right. Thank you so much for uh, doing the podcast with me. Uh, I appreciate it. You're very welcome, pal. Thanks for having me.
All right. And that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauricejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.